Welcome to the Rooted in Change podcast. Hey everyone, my name is Jan and you're listening to the Rooted in Change podcast. This show features European clean tech champions and their solutions to tackle the climate crisis. Today, I'm speaking to Eva, the CEO of Power Up Energy Technologies, an Estonian hydrogen fuel cell company. We'll talk about how the technology actually works, the advantages of fuel cells and the use cases, and obviously how far the company has come so far. With that, welcome Eva. Hi. Great to have you. And with all other guests, my first question is always, tell me a bit about yourself. Who are you as a person? So um, my background is is 20 years in, in fuel cells and the battery research. So um, so by nature, I'm, I'm a scientist. So I'm one of these guys, the one of the founders who, who started with, uh, with the research, fundamental research, and then turned that into the more applied research and, and finally ended up uh, commercializing uh, my knowledge and, and turning a business out of it. Yeah, exactly. So I really, really wanted to help the mankind with something I know the best and I what I felt that is really missing. Um, so that's my that's my background and and the power ups background. I mean, that's kind of interesting. We have one of the few startups in Europe, which started in the Silicon Valley. Um, in the Bay Area and uh, moved to Europe. Usually it's another way around. People have their American dream. They, yeah. they always want to go to the Bay Area. Um, yeah, our our American dream got broken quite quite fast and we <laughs> understood that the, the deep tech, especially related to the hydrogen, it's much easier to do it uh, in Europe. And then we have the significant hardware component. So that made so much sense. Right. Yeah, that's really interesting because uh, what you just said is super true. Like a lot of people always eye towards the Bay Area and the Silicon Valley and have that dream of, you know, I'm starting in good old Europe. And then when the time is right for me, I go overseas and scale my company there and sort of bring everything I know over there to make it over there as well. Uh, but it's interesting that for you, it's sort of the opposite way around. Yeah, that's that's definitely making us different. Um, yeah, because the Bay Area, it's, it's, it's more about the software always been uh, if you're making hardware bigger than the earphones um, in the early stage, it's, uh, it's really freaking hard. Uh, plus also, obviously, a lot of investors there, uh, they lost a lot of money during the, during the first hydrogen boom. So because there were a lot of a lot of fuel cell technology, a lot of electrolysis technology and so on. But the market was not back then ready. Plus, also there was no hydrogen for the fuel cells, so it was right. so obvious. So yeah, they lost a lot of money. It's the same way they're losing today with some of the battery technologies, which are not actually scalable, but they, with the hype, they invest a lot. Right, and I guess that brings us naturally to to you and Power Up. So maybe in a few sentences, what is it that you do? What's at the core of the company? So today, our core product, which we are selling and manufacturing today, is the hydrogen fuel cell based uh, battery capacity extender. It's a basically like a charger running on fuel cell, running on hydrogen. And uh, our core technology inside, obviously, is the fuel cells. That's what we know how to make the best. And uh, today, we are, I would even say the only uh, company in Europe which is having the the air-cooled fuel cell stack technology. 
and and really commercializing it. So that's what uh, what we do. Exciting. And for listeners who don't know the fuel cell space that well, what are use cases for your tech? Um, so first of all, let's start with what the fuel cell is. So uh, yeah, that might also be you know a helpful. Uh, that helpful detail, yeah. So the fuel cell is the device which is converting uh, the chemical energy of the hydrogen and oxygen uh, into the electricity, heat, and, and water. And um, in the real life, um, the hydrogen is coming from the cylinders and the oxygen is coming from the air. So when you get the water vapor uh, outside and it's um, completely... Uh, clean technology there's nothing moving it's a pure chemical chemical energy so it's uh it's something what uh what we should have um and and also um then how the the system itself works so we integrate these fuel cells into the uh, machine which is then uh, having all the electronic components the energy management and uh, we also integrate it together with the battery. So we have the hybrid systems, whereas the batteries and the fuel cells uh, combined into the one, and we are utilizing the best out of the both technologies. So you can have the peak loads, um, et cetera, from the batteries, initial power from the batteries, and uh, then the rest of the capacity can come from the fuel cells, um, and um, and then obviously we are also extending the lifetime of the batteries by that. We're extending the capacity and most importantly, this allows the customers to significantly reduce the cost to the overall system. Otherwise, they would have to buy crazy, crazy big battery uh, packs, um, the battery systems. Now they can they can have like up to four times lower investment. Right, so it's a really important economic factor as well in that. Yeah, that, that's that's what it is. And if we're talking about the applications, uh, you were asking who's using this type of yep. uh, units today. So definitely telecom companies. They need it as a backup power source. Um, so and then the construction industries um, the same way um, and both are actually forced to use um, our type of hybrid systems by the regulations uh, because uh, Netherlands, uh, Sweden in a couple of cities, uh, the islands, uh, also the Norway. So the companies uh, cannot participate in the public tenders uh, in the construction uh, on the construction site. So if they use uh, fossil fuels. So they have to turn to the batteries, but right. batteries have the limitation. So so they have been now starting using our hybrid solutions. Um, so the telcos, the same way, they used to only have the regulation pushing them to have the backup uh, power on their mobile tower sites um, or remote tower sites um, for, for one hour. But now it's uh, often pushed even up to up to 72 hours right. so it's uh that's that's really a massive change and they cannot do only with batteries and um and yeah that's uh these are the market segments pharmacies clinics uh military obviously security companies um etc cetera, etc cetera. so our product basically everyone who needs that 
backup power system, right? Absolutely. Uh, railway companies using it as a primary. Also, that's that's what they need on the crossroads. The signaling system, where it's no electric mm. cables. Mm. So our products are really market agonistic. It's like a battery pack or the diesel generator. Anyone can use it. But clean. It's but it's clean. It's quiet. <laughs> mm. And yeah, just following up on sort of the market segments that you described has that realization also come to your customers because from what i always see you know and you described that before also when we were talking about the silicon valley that investors now are very much into batteries and that's sort of the hype topic and a lot of money goes into that sector and obviously hydrogen is also um, one of the key and hot topics and at the same time that sort of maybe duality or um, that, uh, as you described it, bl blended approach of bringing two <laughs> things together uh, and thereby playing to the advantages of both. Has that come to the realization of your potential customers or is that a lot of awareness creation that you need to do and a lot of um, teaching them about the advantages of your approach? Where are they on their scale, on, on their journey? To the customers, uh, often yes. Um, so we still need to educate, obviously, the customers because the, mm -hmm. the common rumor is that, that there is no hydrogen, despite the fact that actually the big uh, big cylinder companies and gas companies like uh, like Linde, Eliki, Messer, Nippon Gas. So and I can continue that uh, that list. They all have today the hydrogen in the cylinders, and it's a commodity good. Um, you can have the deliveries into your facility or house uh, with a couple of hours. Uh, we have agreements and our customers have agreements in place where the gas company is bringing the hydrogen with eight hour warranty delivery time. So it's it's really, uh, really actually there. The market has been opening up. So we need to educate definitely the customers. But the biggest issue, what I see right now among the investors and, and uh, communities is that uh, it has been there for a while, but the fight between the battery enthusiasts and the hydrogen enthusiasts. And this is, in my mind, quite ridiculous because um, one is saying that uh, the, the fuel cells are full cells. There's no need for, for hydrogen. The batteries can do all the job. The battery prices will drop 10 times. The capacity will increase 10 times. Uh, there's a new solid state batteries coming in half a year. Uh, all of these things. Uh, and then uh, there's the hydrogen guys saying that uh, there's no way the batteries can work at all. They're dangerous. They're burning down uh, the houses and so on. But like, even though obviously some of these facts are true for both, uh, then the batteries cannot do for all right now. Um, and also the technologies, I, I have been working in this research field for a while. I know that some of these solid state battery technologies, which are announced by the startups or corporates that they come in a couple of years, it's like a fusion, <laughs> most probably. The, it's it still still keeps coming every after right. five years. Yeah. So in so, five years' time, it will still be five years. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, that's why the we have went uh, with a, with a hybrid solution, which uh, really like 
solves the the, the cons of both uh, both technologies and um, then helps the customers to 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 have what they they really need the backup power sources uh, and the primary energy sources which are clean and which always start um, and also which has no limitation on the capacity in the sense that hydrogen can be always delivered to the sites of the customers because the batteries are only the energy storage devices you need to charge them with something right and also i think that debate almost feels like a waste of energy if there's i feel always feel that the either or solution is often not the best solution in that sense if the the truth often lies in the middle ground and the hybrid solution in your case really feels to for me like a good approach to tick the boxes of well it, it does bring down costs and it allows you to have that uh, backup power whenever you need it and if you were to realize that with only batteries for example well that would just be a really costly undertaking for you so it doesn't feel like the smartest approach to go either pure hydrogen or pure batteries but sort of the best of both worlds seems the right approach i mean we are already used to have the hybrid cars mm, exactly. why we should not have the same thing elsewhere um the car industry has actually showed that often the hybrids are the best solution i mean uh, obviously the batteries for the smaller applications are the best possible option if you only try within the city small distances it's you're not living in uh in somewhere close to the polar cycle <laughs> where it's super cold or where it's super hot, um, then, I mean, the battery, batteries alone can do well, but when you need to travel longer distances, then you need to have something uh, which is complementing the, the battery only technology. And either it's, uh, it's uh, an engine which is running on diesel or gasoline or it's a hydrogen. And if you want to have, be clean um, and green and, and so on, so obviously the hydrogen is the best possible option to go. And it's the same for all the other market segments. Uh, if we need to have the, the big backup power solutions, um, we need to look at uh, something beyond just the batteries. Yeah, a really good point. And uh, maybe just one anecdote here. I have a very good friend who drives electric and he was able to drive from Hamburg to... Uh, my my home in Sweden with just charging once in the summer. So that battery capacity really um, in the summertime worked out for him to drive the, what it might be 500 kilometers or so. Well, now as it's December, you know, that wouldn't be possible. I don't think he would even get out of Germany uh, without charging once. And I think that's the really interesting part around trying to find the best solution for the use case and in your case then the backup power and um, that it's a combination of a variety of technologies that serves customers best and is in their interest both from a financial but also user friendliness point of view yeah in the same way i mean the for example the military forces or or the guys uh uh from the construction who need to have the portable uh solution right. I mean, that's why the military guys come to us and, and order these uh, these units because they would break their backs with these battery battery units, which are uh, fifty to sixty kilograms, uh, super big. Uh, and if you need to 
bring like 10 of these with you um i mean you would need a lot of guys uh, <laughs> scaring these Heavy instead of guns or something else mm. um so so that's just the one example in the same way um i have been i have seen the construction guys um uh, moving the battery huge battery packs with the forklifts uh around the, the just like the roadside because they they just need to go step by step like uh, repairing the the road and then uh, to to carry these things a diesel generator uh the batteries they need to really use like some huge forklifts while is uh, the hybrid solution they can really uh, just carry with two guys or one guy Right. Well, then, I mean, you from from your personal journey, you said you know you started in research and then went in the into the commercial uh, application of it. How far have you come with Power Up? So, where are you on your on your startup journey? Because you also mentioned that you know you do have a number of customers in the various fields. So maybe you can give the listeners a bit of insight into where it is that you are on your on your journey. So today, I mean, we are really turning from the startup to the scale-up. So we have the certified products. We started sales. We are right now in progress of, of fundraising. So we're looking for, for 7 million euros to have the first pilot plant up and running so that we mm -hmm. can really show to the big customers that, hey, here we are. These uh, these are the units we can produce, 10,000 of these. Um so so that's where we are but overall we're a typical hardware startup uh, in the sense that we started a while ago we start i started the company 2000 end of 2015 actually right uh with the motivation really as i said i, I saw that there was something missing and uh, what was missing back then uh was the electric generators uh, and the backup solutions for the outdated creed because in the bay area in the us um, the one who has lived there knows that the grid is super outdated. Um, there's a lot of blackouts and uh, outside of the city itself, they switch off the electricity when there's uh, heavy winds um, so on because most of the wildfires, they uh, they are actually set, set it up by the, the grid which has been like um, coming down during the storms and if, if they haven't been able to switch it off, um, so, and uh, I saw that there's needed um, some type of solution, um, which is solving that pain. And then we, we made the product, we developed it. And uh, last year we, we finally started delivering of these units. And then we understood that, hey, uh, the, the market actually needs uh, a combination with the batteries and they need the battery capacity extenders. So we were pivoting last year into that, but we had the hardware. We had to do a little bit of recoding, and um, and now I mean we have been adding to all the fancy features like AI inside because uh, this allows us to extend the lifetime of the fuel cell stacks, combine better with the batteries, and obviously finally uh, we can also predict uh, the possible blackouts. Uh, and also when to store the electricity from the grid to the batteries, et cetera, et cetera. All these fancy features of the energy management. Right. And you just said before that um, some of the, some of your experience was the one of a typical hardware startup in a sense that 
you started a while ago and now it's really taking off. What would you say were was the most challenging part so far or what were the challenges that you had to overcome on your journey? Uh, it's a continuous uh, uh, journey. It's a continuous struggle. <laughs> <laughs> continuous struggle uh, in the sense that obviously first you're working on, on the concept, uh, trying to find the product market fit um, because land on the first hit, it's, uh, it's rather rare. Uh, then also, obviously, fundraising in different states is extremely hard because uh, there's always obviously risk for the investors with the hardware companies that it's a capital intensive. And there's many bad use cases from Europe, from US of the hardware startups where they have been burning investors' money big times uh, with a really, really, really light uh, flames. So often investors believe that the hardware startups, they, they need some like 30 million hits, uh, hits half a year. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not true though. Um, and, uh, and then um, finding obviously a good people, uh, hardware engineers, ele like electronic engineers, mechanical engineers, uh, finding a fuel cell engineers, um, extremely, extremely hard. So finding a manpower in addition to the just like monetary needs, it's extremely yeah. hard and a challenge for us. Has and that then, changed uh, over the last years, especially over the last maybe three years or so, as I feel that they, especially in, in the hydrogen and then probably also in the battery space, a lot more companies have emerged and a lot more attention has been given to that sector in a sense that also then probably more money has been pouring into the sector than thereby allowing companies to hire talent and ultimately probably making it harder and more competitive for, for startups to hire the right people. Is that something that you've experienced? Absolutely. Um, the market has uh, gone so much worse in the sense that there's more and more electrolysis, uh, more and more battery and more and more fuel cell companies. And to be honest, I mean, the market has been really opening up uh, over the last uh, year and two. Right. So this means that we have lack of engineers in this field, which is making it extremely competitive um, and um, boosting the salaries. Uh, and then also, I mean, the movement of people between the companies is also faster than it used to be. Yeah, again, making it harder for you to scale if you have a higher churn potentially than in the past of people and yes. um i think there was one addition that you wanted to make earlier i don't know if there was something on your mind where i interrupted you yeah i mean like this is this is leading us to the to the policymakers who should really from the education wise uh educate more electronics engineers chemical engineers uh, etc. in the universities produce more of these people who we really, really badly need. Um, the Chinese uh, Chinese government was taking this decision earlier. Um, they have these, um, these people to hire and um, they have been learning from us. They have been learning from, from US, from Japan. So and now they are they are really um, I see even taking us over quite soon in the in the hydrogen market. The battery is already they did it. Um, now it's a turn of the hydrogen technologies. And if we don't move fast, 
in Europe and the US, um, establishing our own fuel cell companies um, and uh, also the hydrogen storage, etc., etc. I mean, we we are going to fa- be facing this exactly the same situation as we had with the batteries, and we don't want to have it. And the solar so, industry before. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> So yeah, right. let's uh, let let's uh, let's push this one hard. I hope the policymakers listen that and take the action rather sooner than later to mm. not be where we are with batteries. Is there anything else that you would want from the policymaking side there to sort of support the sector in general? Do you see that, for example, with the European Green Deal and so on, the Industrial Act, that the support has been increased and improved, or? Also looking towards the US with the IRA, you know, a lot of support schemes have been drafted. Is that something that benefits you or do you think it's just not enough? I think it's uh, it's really focused on, on what, some specific uh, topics and also not covering the full value chain, to be honest, even though they have been trying to do that. But it's, uh, it's often focused to the automotive industry today. Um, and, and into the really mass scale production of hydrogen, which is crucial. But uh, we we have the, the moment right now when even the regulations are not in place. And in the small scale, um, I mean, these use cases, we are providing uh, solutions today to the regular people, to the companies who actually want to deploy the technologies. They have a need to deploy the technologies they don't have the regulations in place. They don't have the support uh, for the resiliency um, solutions, so on. They don't have that because the policymakers have been really looking into the trucks, uh, trains, um, buses, so on, and the big car refilling stations. But the infrastructure for the for the people who actually need that, the companies who actually need that right now, and the technology which is ready to be used and delivered. So uh, there's no um, rules and regulations in place uh, which, which would really um, give the answers from the safety point of view, where the hydrogen can be used, for example, where the batteries can be even used. We even don't know that right now too clearly, uh, where it's safe to use the lithium-ion batteries. So I think we need to work really hard uh, on the full value chain and look also these smaller applications today where the people actually already use that. Um, so it's really, really, really necessary. Gotcha. Then I guess that's the a good call to action to all the policymakers, um, you know, to to do more in that space, to not for, for Europe not to face the same fate in the hydrogen sector as with batteries once more to create those dependencies. And I guess especially from a well, geopolitical point of view, that, that, that's something that we've been discussing more and more over the last at least two years, if not longer, that we've become increasingly aware of those dependencies. And obviously, if we can keep and protect our, and, and our own industry with innovative companies here in Europe, then we should we should do that. And I think it's interesting that you're also not the first one to, to voice that concern from a startup perspective on this podcast. Uh, so it comes up over and over again. And yet I feel we're making progress, but not in a speed that's fast enough to actually uh, make a tangible difference, at least at the moment, in terms of 
eyeing that competition from other parts of the world. Yes, uh, absolutely. And uh, I want to address here also that um, that the hydrogen is one of the few fuels in Europe which we can produce ourselves. Oh, true. Yeah. And uh, this is giving us the independence, which is uh, really important. The globalization is over. So we need to look um, exactly the automotive industry. We need to look into the backup power solutions, the primary energy solutions, and uh, combine all of the all of the novel technologies uh, where it's needed. So, so I think this hybridization of everything is super important. Well, with that, looking forward. So, what's what's ahead for you? You obviously mentioned the fundraise. Um, that you're that currently probably occupies quite some of your time um but what else is is out there for you what are your goals for the next upcoming month and uh, potentially next two two years or so um so we we definitely uh want to be the leading fuel cell company for the smaller fuel cell stacks in europe but not only in europe but uh the us um south america africa so on because that's that's where the products really are needed um so that's what keeps us uh awake so we 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 really really need to move fast we see the comp competition coming from asia um so so that's especially makes us rush um to have that production in action and make it in the big scale so, so that's um, that's what we are right now really worrying about um, and passionate about. And obviously, the energy crisis which we have, um, the electrification. I mean, we have more and more electric vehicles, so we also have more and more electric equipment in our houses and and also in the industry, which is taking the grid down. So we try to help the Europe and also the and other parts of the world. To really um, be prepared uh, when the worst case scenario comes into the action, so so that's uh, that's what we try to do. <laughs> be there for the people when when they need us the most. Right. Oh, that's a good that's a good mission to be on. And that brings me also to my uh, my final question, which is sort of around what keeps you going. Because you started the interview with, you know, I've been doing this for twenty years, and you know, from, from research and all the um, the R&D that you've been doing so far now to commercializing the company, starting the company in 2015, so uh, eight years ago. It's a lot of time that you've put into that that field and a lot of energy, I would assume. So what is it that makes you get up in the morning and think, well, it's another day, I, I'm going to get going and I'm going to be there or we are going to be there with our technology for when people need us the most. What is it that, that drives you? So first of all, in the mornings, my kids are waking me up, obviously. Ah, so <laughs> that's that's a good driver. Yeah, you don't have a choice. That's a good driver. And the second driver is the coffee. I'm waking up to make coffee uh, for me and my, my wife. <laughs> So these two things, the, there is not no alarm better than the kids right. uh, yeah. and, uh, and no better driver in the morning than the, the good coffee. Um, and, and yeah, obviously, obviously um, 
I consider the the power up today as a as a family business. So the we this has been um, has been like uh, like a journey for for my family, and uh, it's like a key for us uh, the power up. And the same way that the whole team, the Power Ups team today, we are like a big family. So, so it's like um, growing up the the kid um, from from their early childhood uh, to the to the to the point where they are going to the school, to the university, and then really being self sufficient. Um, I try to make the the Power Up together with the whole team of uh, ours with amazing people. Um, we try to make uh, this company uh, to really be the self-sufficient and uh, be able to to really conquer the world. So that's what we try to do. Nice. Yeah, I think it's in a lot of sense it is a good analogy that you know you start from from scratch and in the beginning this nothing really that feels like a company and like you know it's it's still research and you're trying to make your way out of there and you um described before how important it was to find product market fit to pivot to add things that um you call them fancy you know like the, the, the energy management system that really even increase customer value further and i think that part of starting somewhere with a good idea seeing market potential and then going for it and keeping at it to really invest your energy into it and scaling the company. Um, it does feel like raising a child because it takes a lot of time and effort and ultimately it's highly rewarding as well. Often it is. And um, we strongly believe, uh, especially looking what's going on in the, on the energy market and uh, with the Green Deal and so on, um, that we are doing the right thing and uh, it definitely pays off. Uh, so so yeah that's uh, i think uh, we are working all in the uh, in this sector for yeah absolutely and uh, what better way to to finish that podcast episode Eva. thank you so much for your time obviously good luck with the fundraise uh, fingers crossed that all all goes well and, and, and that you're able to uh, close the round rather rather soon um and with that being said thank you so much for your time today and the last interview of 2023 uh merry christmas and uh, uh, have a great christmas break thank you and have a nice christmas as well <laughs> oh, bye bye thank you bye